0: Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Flip over to Ephesians. Verse 18, chapter 5. Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart, to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Well, God, we do indeed do that. We give thanks to you, our Father, for everything you've done for us, and we give thanks in the name of Lord Jesus. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would speak to us all tonight. Open our hearts. Give us a spirit of wisdom and relation. Help us hear what you're saying, not just for our information, but for transformation, God, and help us glorify you. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, this is Boo. She's going to come up on Arabella. Uh, She's going to come up on the screen. This is Michael John's daughter and Emma John's daughter. She's 22 months old, and she's in that phase of asking why all the time, and I had the pleasure of babysitting her the other day. So, you know, it's time for lunch, Boo. Why? That's a good question. Um, Where is Daddy at work? Why? Why? Uh, that's a complicated answer, don't worry about it, it's good for you, trust me. Um, what are these? Stairs, Boo. Why? Ah, Boo, I have no idea. Actually, what, what is life? What, you know, what are stairs? Um, well, just a bit like Boo, Arabella, we are asking, why together? And we specifically, we're asking, why do we do what we do? When we come together on a Sunday, why do we sing? Why do we teach? Why do we pray? Why do we take communion? Why on earth do we actually gather in the first place? And today, we're going to be asking, why do we sing? Why song worship? I wonder if you've ever thought about it. Why not synchronized swimming? You know, why not furious flag waving or whatever it is, you know, interpretive dance? Um, If you've been coming to our church for a while, you'll have noticed, or even today, you'll have noticed that we love to sing and we sing a lot. So I think this is a really important question. Why do we sing? That's what we're asking tonight. So are you ready? Because I'm going to go straight into it. You ready? Great. Our starting place, why do we sing, has to be the worth and the glory of God. We sing because God is endlessly, indisputably, unmistakably worthy of all praise, glory, power, and dominion. There is no one like him. He is righteous. He is holy. He is steadfast. He is true. God is so beautiful. He is love. He is faithful. He is perfect. His word is flawless. He is so, so good. He is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. His anger lasts for a night, but his favor for a lifetime. He is light in him. There is no darkness. He is just, and he is not dead, but he is alive. And he is so worthy of our praise. God, you are so worthy of our praise tonight. And the one who is so worthy in himself has sent his only son, and he has revealed his love to us, and he has died for us on a cross And for all of us who have put our trust in him, we have been adopted into his family. We have been called his own. We have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light that we might proclaim his excellencies. God is so worthy. So why do we sing? Why do we do anything? Why do we give our lives in response? It's because the worth of God. God is so good. And the only response to the goodness and worth of God is endless songs of praise. And I don't mean the service on a Sunday at 5 p.m. on the BBC. Now, maybe I could leave it there. Why do we sing? Because of the worth of God. But we're trying to go deeper in this series. So, what I want to try and do, we're going to go through two texts tonight. We're going to go through this bit in Colossians and the bit in Ephesians. And these are letters written by St. Paul, the Apostle Paul, to two different churches. And by the time we get to this point in the letters, he's basically saying, here's how to live in response to what God has done for you. So he says to the Ephesians, you once were darkness, but now you are in light. Your dearly loved children, so therefore live as that. To the Colossians, he says, you've been seated with Christ, so therefore put your heart and your mind on higher things and not on earthly things. And among all these instructions on how to live as those loved by God, he says, sing to the Lord from your heart and sing to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So are you ready for our first headline reading, uh, um, headline reason as to why we sing in church? very profound, and it really shows the deep theological education that I've been having for three years. We sing because it's in the Bible, because God has commanded us to. That's a good word. Mm. Mm. We sing because of the worth of God, but we sing also because of the Word of God. Do you know how much singing there is in the Bible? There are 400 references to singing across Scripture. To highlight a few, at creation… The image, it's in the book of Job, that is used is as the Lord lays the foundation of the earth, the cornerstone. The morning stars sing together. They rejoice together in song. At the birth of Jesus, the Gospels are full of songs. Mary sings. Zechariah sings. Our God himself is a God who sings. Jesus sang. He sang hymns with his disciples. And God is said to rejoice over us with singing In the book of Revelation, we see elders and the people of God, all the saints, singing a new song to God. So from the beginning to the middle of the end of God's Word and of time, they're singing. And I haven't even mentioned the Psalms. There's a whole book of the Bible which are the songbook of the Word of God. In fact, in those especially, we see that there are so many commands to the people of God to sing. There are 50, actually. And we have the two New Testament Scriptures today. Let me just read a couple of Psalms to you, just extract. Psalm 96, verses 1 and 2. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Here's one verse from Psalm 47. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. That's one verse, that's four commands. We're commanded to sing. And therefore, we get to our passages today. And what do we find? We get to Colossians and we get to Ephesians. And we're to let the message of Christ dwell amongst us as we sing to God and as we sing to one another. And then we're to let the Spirit dwell amongst us and to fill us. And in that overflow, we are to sing and make music from our heart to the Lord. So why do we sing? Well, we sing ultimately because of the worth of God, the unsurpassed worth of God. But also because of his word. Because he has commanded us to sing. Therefore, our singing isn't random. It's not like we chose it out of a list of options. We had a whole series of really valid ones, like we chose it over interpretive dance or flag waving, which is great, but just not in this church, or whatever it is. You know, we sing because God's Word is full of singing, and He has commanded His people to sing. Now, what are we doing when we are commanded to sing? Well, these passages, they show us the direction, if you like, of Worship. So, the Ephesians passage tells us to be filled with the Spirit and to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs to the Spirit, but then also to sing and make music from our hearts to the Lord. To one another, to the Lord. Colossians does the same thing. We are to teach and admonish one another with songs, but then we sing to God with gratitude in our hearts. So, when we sing, we sing to one another, and we sing to God let's consider that first direction of worship. What are we doing when we're singing? We're singing to one another. Now, of course, as you think about what singing is, that is in a sense unavoidable, isn't it? Because it requires making sound. But what this means is that when we come to church, our intention for our engagement isn't just for ourselves. We aren't just singing so we can personally worship God, although we are doing that. Paul actually says this in the Colossians passage, he says we are to teach and admonish one another with songs of worship. And we think that teaching generally happens like this, where it's one person, it's didactic, where I am speaking to you or whoever it is. But actually we see that as we sing, we are to speak the truth about who God is and what he has done over one another as an act of teaching, because we are speaking over and we are affirming and confirming in each other the truth about who God is. And this is part of the way God has designed us to live in a community of faith. The context for the verse of Colossians is striking. The exhortation to sing comes on the heels of bearing one another in love, forgiving one another, putting on love, being at peace as one united body of Christ, and then after those things, teaching one another from the Word of God through singing. This means more depends on your engagement than you might think, particularly on how we engage. See, the way we engage is designed to help others worship God. We proclaim over each other who God is and what He has done. And this means that we better proclaim the truth. Colossians says we're to teach them on each other in all wisdom. But I wonder how much room this leaves for us with half-hearted engagement. You see, we're actually all leading each other in worship. Obviously, in a church like ours, we generally have worship leaders, people with a guitar or an instrument and a microphone, but actually, we are all involved in leading each other in worship. So, you're not just singing for your own benefit, or raising your hands, or dancing, or clapping, or kneeling, or any other perfectly biblical expression of worship, except for flag waving, but you're doing it to speak to others. So, when you sing, you are doing it to speak to everyone here, So give it all you've got, Let me tell you, there is nothing like being in an atmosphere of worship. There is nothing like it. I've come to the end of three years at college. And at college, it's a bunch of trainee vicars. And we've had just some of the most amazing times of worship where every person has been so engaged and so focused on God. But I find it so encouraging just to be in that atmosphere of faith and expectancy. It's so refreshing. So I guess this might be echoing what Jamie said last week, but how do we show up to church? what have we come for? Do we come ready to speak to others in song about what God has done, about who he is, about how excellent and glorious and powerful he is? Or do we just come to be spoken to? Do you come ready to worship, not just for your sake, but for the sake of everybody else? You see, actually, incredibly, the way God has designed it is that we do get really encouraged as we worship him because we are speaking to one another. We come not to get, we come to give, but amazingly, God has designed it, that as we sing, the truth about who he is is spoken over us, it teaches us, it shapes us. God speaks to us through each other. It's amazing. We get closer to God, we hear about what he is like, we hear the voice of the Spirit, we sense the presence of God, we catch a good vision again of who God is, and his infinite glory and majesty. Now, What do we speak to each other with? The script that we're looking at, the text, said that we speak to each other with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Generally, this is taken to mean the psalms of the Old Testament. Hymns is generally taken to mean longer compositions. You can actually find some hymns in the New Testament that were written. And then spiritual songs or songs from the Spirit are spontaneous songs that overflow from people as the Spirit leads them. There's references to else there, especially in 1 Corinthians. Um, and this means, this could be many things. I think our singing is to be biblical. But if it's psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, then it's varied. Do you see that? So there's a place for the grand old hymn, and can it be, or uh, how great thou art, or whatever it is. And there's the place for the modern worship song, and there's the place for the simple song of praise. There's a place for children's worship, for family worship. There's a place for the simple song that just says, Jesus, I love you, or even just that says, Jesus, because there's a variety of songs. And generally, what we try and do at HCC is lead a variety of songs. Um, we try and lead songs that are about God, and we, and we try and lead hymns, and then we try to lead newer things. But I just want to speak briefly about that spiritual songs thing. So sometimes you'll notice that when we sing together, we actually stop singing what's on the screen. And maybe the worship leader does it, or people in the congregation do it, or the worship leader tells us to sing out our own song. Now, for some of us, we're like, yes and amen, I'm so ready. And some of us are like, oh, oh, what, what, you know, what am I to do? And maybe we can feel self-conscious, and we're really aware of, and maybe we don't feel confident in singing, or whatever the reason is. But can I just encourage us that there are to be many expressions of praise, and one of them is actually a spontaneous song. So as we do that, we're just trying to follow the example and the command of Scripture, just to sing out our own words to God. And whether you feel comfortable or not with that, can I ask you, have you learned to worship God in your own words? Have you learned your own language of praise? Have you learned to thank Him with your own words? When you're at home, on the tube, wherever it is, when you're on holiday, when you're at your desk, your workplace, your life place, have you learned to praise God? Have you learned to proclaim him, declare who, what he is and what who he's like? Have you learned? Because Paul says we're to do everything with thanksgiving. So have you learned the words to praise who God is? That needs to start, I think, with Scripture. We know what God is like through his word. So learn the word of God. Learn Psalm 119, that the skies proclaim the works of God, that day after day, night after night, they pour forth speech. Read bits of Revelation where it describes the saints and the angels singing to God. Learn what the word says about God. And then ask the Spirit to lead you that you might learn to worship God for yourself. That we might worship beyond just what's written on a screen. Because what we're trying to do, one of the things as we grow in our relationship with God is we must learn to worship. And we must go beyond our natural preference. If it's psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, then it is variety. And it's not just in Christ alone, be thou my vision and Cornerstone on repeat. And let's be honest, we're really boring. Those are our top three songs. Some of you are like, no, 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 I've got something much more esoteric and old, or whatever it is. We tend to like a certain thing, and probably at this church, the songs that have been most successful or the ones that have really taken off that are new are all kind of hymnal. So it's um, Living Hope, and it's um, uh, O Praise the Name, and it's Man of Sorrows. And what I think is so effective about those kind of songs is that they are narrative songs. They tell the story of what God's done. We did that on our second song tonight. Did you notice? Who, O Lord, could save themselves, their own soul could heal. So we told the story of it. And generally, that is very encouraging because we need reminding. But have you learned, have we learned to sing to God in every kind of way? Have you learned to worship God with all kinds of songs and not just the ones that you like? that particularly tickle the boxes of what makes a good song in your mind. One of the areas I think that we could grow in as a church is in thanksgiving, in rejoicing, in joy. Ephesians, verse 20, Paul says we are to be always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. So how have we learned to give thanks, to rejoice? The thing is, I actually know that this church can rejoice, and I know that 6 p.m. is full of joy, because I've seen you, at the church weekend away at the silent disco. Oh no, where's it gone? You sound great. Spotify's still playing. You get the idea. You get the idea. We had some great slow-mo videos that made a few of us here look really silly, and I decided not to show them. But I suppose the challenge is, are you willing to look like a bit of a fool, to sing at the top of your lungs, and to dance, or do whatever it is, not just in the dark after you've had a few with headphones over your ears? Are you willing to do it in the house of the Lord? Are you willing to be a fool when you're surrounded by people, and they can hear you, and they can see you? and not just when it feels like you're hidden. There's a, I'm, I, was gonna, I was thinking about playing it, but it would be ridiculous. Do you know the song Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi? Okay, that song is insanely high, and it had, then has a key change, and it gets even higher. But I wonder if you've ever been in a club or a bar or something, and you've heard people singing at the top of their lungs, not even hitting the note. And I'm sure you've been there, and I'm sure I've been there too. And I guess the question to us is, would we be willing to do it in church as well? Come on. Thank you, Alan. Are you willing to look like a fool for God? Are you willing to not just go with your own preferences and what feels safe? Are you willing to learn to sing to God in every kind of way, with psalms, with hymns, with spiritual songs, in rejoicing, in thanksgiving? It's so important. Now, I have to say at this point, of course, I am one of those people who really like singing. I grew up singing. I'm from a musical family. Dad sang, mum sang, my brother sang. My mum led worship. My mum led worship when she was pregnant with me. It's one of the reasons it's not scientific at all, probably not actually true. A little theory I have is that I love leading worship and the acoustic guitar so much because mum led worship loads when she was pregnant with me. Who knows what the Lord was doing? It's my little fanciful idea. But basically, from day one, there was singing in my house. And I was a chorister at school. It was quite, you know, it's great. In year six, I was a chorister, and I was in the chess team. And I was really cool. <laughs> so, you know, I was singing. I've been paid to sing. I've done gigs. Uh, I was a worship pastor before I came here. Okay, so, the, you know, people have paid me money to sing. And I just want to acknowledge that because, of course, for some of us, you won't, you'll, you know, you'll feel like people would pay me not to sing. You know that bit, Jacob just put his hand up, you know that bit in the, start, in the word where it says, you know, make a joyful noise to the Lord? Some of you are like, yeah, that's me. You know, the only place I can sing is in my shower. But the point is that singing isn't just coincidental, and it's not just for the people who feel comfortable, and it's not just for the people who naturally think they might like it. Let me show you why. Verse 18 of Ephesians says this, Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms. And so it goes on. You see, singing flows out of being filled with the Holy Spirit. This means that Christian singing is not just natural, but it is supernatural. The Holy Spirit is God, and He is supernatural. And He comes and fills His people and moves them to act in certain ways. The Spirit makes Jesus known, and where Jesus is made known, He is to be worshipped. But see, singing is also how we let God's Word speak to us. I've touched on this already by saying that we actually teach and admonish one another. But Colossians says this, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. As we've seen, singing is command, but this command comes with a promise. As we sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs together, we have promised that the Word of God would dwell in us richly, which is what we should all crave. And at HCC, we want to be a Word church and a Spirit church. We want to prioritize the Word of God, the written Word of God, what God has said to us. And we want to prioritize the fresh Word and work of the Holy Spirit, who is God. And some churches might choose one over the other. We we want to be both. And amazingly, singing is part of the fullness of the expression of what it is, to be filled with the Spirit and to let God's Word dwell in you richly. So the way God's Word dwells among us is not just through teaching or just through biblical reading. Somehow it's through singing. And then amazing, part of what is to be filled with the Spirit is to sing. So as believers, as we're filled with the Spirit and as we long for God's Word to speak to us, we are to sing to God. Now, who are we singing to? Remember I said one direction of worship is horizontal. So we are singing to one another. What's the other direction? And I guess it's vertical. It is to God. Colossians says we are to sing to God with gratitude in our hearts. Ephesians says we are to sing and make music from our hearts to the Lord. We have come to speak to and in song address God himself. Why do we sing? Because we've come to speak to God. We get to address God. Now, a friend of mine found the idea of dressing God, speaking to God, very strange, because she said that when she was a child, for a little while, she thought that God was called Peter. Uh, you know, I sort of, where did you get that from? And she said she grew up in an Anglican church, and every time they read the Bible, they said this little thing after it, and she said, oh, that's, God's called Peter. So when I say, I'm going to say something, and you're going to respond, okay, and we'll hear how she heard it. So when I say, this is the word of the Lord, what do you say? Thanks, Peter, God. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Let's try it again. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, thank you, Peter. Amen. But despite all our confusion, because some of us will come in here today feeling like we're close to him and know him. Some of us will feel like we know the name of the Lord, we can call on him, some of us won't. We have come to speak and to sing to God. Corporate worship is all about God. Singing, therefore, is all about God. It is all to Him, and it's for Him, and it's from Him. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, says the word. Sing to God with gratitude. That's what we've come to do. But it's not just God-centered in the sense that everything in worship relates to God, but also it's God-centered in that everything in worship is done towards God. So whatever kind of song we've sung, whether it's devotional or it's more intimate language, whether it's more objective, it's all done to God. And it's with a desire for God to receive it and to hear it and for it to be, get his approval and his delight. Now, of course, there are different types of songs out there. There are different types of worship songs. Generally, this is not to sort of peel back the curtains and sort of do away with some of the magic of it at all. Generally, what we do here is we start with more objective songs about God, generally. So what did we sing? Actually, you no, know, we've changed the song, so I actually can't use this illustration. Hmm. Okay, well, generally what we do, not tonight, because I thought we were going to, but never mind. Generally, what we do is we sing about God. So, let's think about the song, Great Things. We sang Great Things in the prayer meeting. I thought we were going to sing it at the start of church. Come, let us worship our come. Come, let us worship our king. Come, let us bow at his feet. He has done great things. So, can you hear that objective language? This is who God is. But there are also songs like... Um, uh, your name is like honey on my lips. Jesus, Jesus, holy, and, and so on. Now, I was at a church the other day at a uh, conference, and the worship band just dived right in. They literally went in at 110%. You know, they were there lost in wonder, love and praise, singing these most intimate worship songs to God from the very off. And it felt like to me like a bunch of people dived in the deep end of a pool and everyone else in the congregation was just standing around watching them. The worship team had probably been there for two hours before and they'd spent two hours in prayer and worship and they were ready. And everyone else had just shown up from a day of work and suddenly it's, your name is like a, you know, from the off. And everyone's there going, oh. And what we generally need is to be reminded about who God is. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's generally what we need. We generally need to be, you know, we need the narrative. This is what God has done for us. This is who we are in Him. We need to be reminded about Him, and for that to inspire praise in us. But of course, it's only the wonder and the majesty and the mystery of the gospel that we can sing to God at all. You see, we've been adopted into God's family And we get forgiven and we get redeemed and we can come before our Lord without fear and without shame as those seen in Christ. But don't we so often take it for granted? Don't we so often saunter in, whether that is in the attitude of our hearts or in our physical posture? Don't we so often sing without conviction or belief? Don't we just so often rock up to church? Paul says just before in our passage in Colossians that we must let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace. You see, if we've believed and we've trusted in God through Christ, then we've been made members of one body. We've been united. We're part of the body of Christ. And the thing is, that position doesn't change. Once we are adopted, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, nothing in all creation. There's nothing that can happen to separate that. So in a sense, even though we might find it helpful to start with objective songs, you know, the songs that help us relate and remind us, actually, we don't need to. Just because in terms of our position, we are those who are loved by God, dearly loved children, as our passage from earlier from Ephesians will say. And we come in, and we can come and sing straight to God. In the temple in Jerusalem, in Jesus' time, there was a curtain that separated everything else from the Holy of Holies. You could imagine it a bit like this, where there is a curtain that fills this entire space. And it was symbolic of the separation between the holiness and the righteousness and the power of God and sinful humanity. And a priest could only go in there one day a year. And they had to have a rope tied around their leg in case they died and they had to be pulled out. And what happened on the cross is that curtain got split from top to bottom. Top to bottom because that means it couldn't possibly be done by a human, there has to be supernatural power. And it was symbolic of the presence of God being made available and being made open to all who believe in Jesus Christ. And that is our position when we come to church. If you've been accepted into the family of God, if you've repented and you've said, sorry of your sins, there is nothing that stands in the way of you and God. Everything you've ever done has been made white. Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. If you are here tonight and you believe in Jesus, everything you've ever done has been Forgotten as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our sins, our transgressions from us. That is our position as we come to worship. That's who we are in God, as those loved by him, those forgiven by him, who can come and sing straight to him, straight to his heart, with nothing standing in the way. Ephesians 5 8, just before our passage, puts it like this For you were once darkness, but now you are the light. In the Lord. And now we can enter into the presence of God. And the point of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs is we get to do that all together. Why do we sing? Because singing enables us all together with one voice and one heart and one mind enter His presence and proclaim His glory and His praise. And I can actually suggest to you that that's actually unlike anything else in all creation. You know, some of us will be like, actually, I just love, in terms of worship, I love being in nature or I love art, or performance art, I love dance, or flags, or whatever it is, and those things are awesome. If you actually feel like you connect to God in those ways, seek it out. Can I encourage you in them? If you love journaling, if you love actually worshipping with art, can I encourage you? Can I release you in that? But I think the point about singing is we get to do it together. We get to sing together, and we can't all paint the same thing on the same canvas but well, we can sing. Have you, oh, even if you compare it to speaking, we spoke earlier. Have you ever tried speaking with a whole other bunch of people? It's quite hard, isn't it? You're waiting for the person. Everyone suddenly starts speaking in that slow voice that actually isn't the natural one. But when we sing, ah, there's melody, there's rhythm, there's a reference point, and it allows us all together to sing to God. Now, talk about singing, I want to talk about hand raising. And we are one of those churches where there, are, there is hand raising. And I thought what I'd do, maybe for the uninitiated, is I would um, teach you about the various hand raising postures. So, maybe you're just starting out in this. You know, you've come into church, you're like, what am I going to do? Well, just, you know, start with the, um, the elbow flap. You can go with the double elbow flap, you know, your hands in your pockets, it's fine, just relax, it's absolutely fine. Maybe when you're ready, take it time, you know, carry the TV. Mm. Make it widescreen. You want to step it up a notch? My fish was this big. If you're lying, you can go for the hold my baby, the Mufasa, screwing the light bulbs, double screwing the light bulbs. Goalpost is a pretty good one. I quite like a heartburn, so goalpost and heartburn. You can always go with the double heartburn. Goalpost, you know, switch it back, it's up to you. Go back and forth. You can always go with the hand up. I've got a question. Or, you know, just give the Lord a high five. Some of you like to wash the windows. (laughs) Doubling wash the windows. And then there's the big three, village people, Rocky, touchdown. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) But whatever the externals, application, application, whatever we do, whether you're one of those people who's straight in and your hands are straight up, or actually you don't feel like you can do that. The externals don't matter as much what is is happening in your heart. Singing is to be from the heart. The great danger is that as I talk about this and as we think about it and as we enter a space like this and as we sing is that we are too focused on what happens on the outside. What do our passages say? Colossians says that we are to be singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. There's a slide for this. Ephesians, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. And if you want to strip away everything from what I've said, and you just want to take away one thing, this is it. You see, singing by itself isn't necessarily worship. It's an expression of worship. It is an outward expression of what you are doing on the inside as we sing and make music, as we make melody to the Lord from our hearts. Now, there is a biblical concept of the heart. In our Western thought especially, the heart is the romantic center. We think of the romantic center and we think of emotions. But in biblical terms, the heart is used as a metaphor for the seat of our most basic orientation and our deepest commitments, what we treasure the most. You know, Proverbs 3.5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. So it's what we most love and hope in, what we treasure, what captures our imagination Matthew 6, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is. Every heart has an inclination, says Genesis. Something is directed towards. And the direction of your heart, the thing you most treasure, the thing you most value, controls everything. What we love, what we most find reasonable, desirable, whatever we cherish in our hearts, most controls us. No wonder Jesus was so concerned about our hearts. No wonder God ignores outward matters and concentrates on the heart. It says that the Lord, man may look at the outside, but the Lord looks at the heart. No wonder the prophet said that the goal of salvation was not just compliance with the law, going along with regulations, but actually it was inward change. It was having the law written on your heart through spiritual rebirth. And so we must sing to the Lord from our hearts. That's what we've come to do. Why do we sing? It's because we want to worship God from the very core of who we are, everything within us. And you're like, Tim, how do I do that? I think it's about choosing with everything we've got to say, God, I worship you. With everything within us, which sometimes might look like the most dramatic or it might look the most emotional, it might look the most demonstrative, and sometimes it won't. It's within us saying, God, I worship you. God, I praise you. God, I lift your name up high. God, I exalt you everything within me, Lord, I give you praise. What does the psalmist say to himself? Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. It's almost like the psalmist is speaking to himself and saying, encouraging himself to say, okay, let's go. We're praying. We're coming praising praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. That's what we've come to do, to praise the Lord from our hearts. And if, in a sense, actually, if we're not doing that, and it's just religion, and it's just Christian karaoke, and we could be somewhere else. You know, what's the difference between here and a concert, a gig? Because at gigs, people sing along, and they lift up their hands. What's the difference? Is that we're singing from our hearts to the Lord. Now, at some point, maybe during this, or even now, you're thinking, well, actually, I don't always feel like worshiping God from my heart. I actually find it very hard to choose to worship. And anyway, Tim, aren't you just equating worship with singing? Isn't worship much more than singing? Yes and amen. Of course it is. Our whole lives are to be given in response to the worth of God. The controlling verse with this would be Romans 12.1. In view of God's mercy, we are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. And doing that is, I says, our true and our proper worship. And it's generally because of a verse like that that we will refer to what we do on a Sunday as sung worship rather than just worship. because what we're trying to say is actually our whole lives should be a response of worship to God. But what we see from passages like this from Ephesians and uh, Colossians is that singing isn't coincidental. It's not just, oh, there's this accidental part of living a whole life of worship. It's a vital part of it. One doesn't happen without the other. But of course, our verses, we just see a glimpse of it. Our verses do show us that our whole lives must be lived as worship to God. Verse 18 of Ephesians says that we are to not get drunk. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Side note, this is for free. If you ever thought you've ever been in confusion about whether getting drunk is okay. In biblical terms, it's a sin that leads to more sin. And see, actually, that just as we get that little verse, we should look back to the rest of the chapter, both in Ephesians and Colossians and see that it says, "This is how your whole life is to be lived before God." And it starts with what God has done for us. We'll take the bit from Colossians. If you go to the very start of the chapter to verse one. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Ephesians, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. You see, God has done something amazing for us in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gave Himself as a sacrifice for us, and our response is to give our whole lives in sacrifice back to Him. And part of our lives, part of what it means to sacrifice your life, is to sing to God, and it's to sing with other people in God's presence. And actually, if part of our whole life is to be in response to God, and part of that is to be singing, then we can't have a whole life of worship without singing. But the opposite is also true, isn't it? You can't just have songs on a Sunday. You can't just have the most passionate display. You can't just have muscle memory kicking in on the second verse of um, the name, or what's the one? In Cornerstone, my anchor holds within the veil. Who knows what that means? What are we doing? My, you know, hands go up. What is, you know, it's actually a reference to Hebrews. It's to do with the presence of God, it's to do with that temple thing, the curtain, Let the hands go up. Our whole life, our worship on a Sunday has to flow. It has to be the response, it has to be the overflow of what is happening in the rest of our life. It's just a glimpse, it's just the tip of the iceberg. You know in an iceberg it has just a tip and then it has this whole thing underneath. Our sung worship is to be like that, it's just to be just the very tip of what is actually happening in our whole life. But the truth is, so often we don't live like that. So often our lives will not feel like passionate worship. Paul says to the church, to set your hearts on things above. And he says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. But don't we so often live our lives totally fixated on earthly things? We get, we're so distracted, we're so self-absorbed, self-obsessed, inward-looking, downward-looking. Let me give you two examples in my own life. Last week, in worship, we had four songs. By the time we got to the fourth song, I was looking at whether I could get sofa cushions stuffed with feathers. I was at the back, and maybe for the first few songs, I was there giving it some. By the time I got to the fourth one, the thought came into my mind, oh, I wonder if I could get the sofa cushions on my new sofa stuffed with feathers. So I got out my phone, and I was not worshipping. More seriously than that, I've been distracted just in my own life. Uh, there's been real grief. Eight weeks ago, both my grandpas died, a week apart from each other, uh, 87 and 88. My grandpa, that's my dad, died, dad's dad, he was taken into hospital on Thursday and died on the Friday, and we're grieving him, we're thinking about funeral arrangements, and then my other grandpa dies, and it's been in that context that I've been coming into worship. And I've been going, ooh, you know, my mind has been on earthly things. I'm coming to the Lord before the Lord with grief and with confusion and pain. And then also really mundane things like my sofa cushions. This is what I worship like. And we're going to go back to Boo. This is a picture of Boo again. And this is Arabella, Boo, making a crown. And this is the crown. And this is what the children did this morning at church in the children's groups. They're doing the same series as us, and they made crowns as part of the activity. And um, she looks great, Michael. And um, when can we just go back to the first picture? When Arabella was doing this, you can see here that she's playing with the tape, because that was far more interesting than coloring in the crown. And when she actually did, obviously, Michael, your child is a prodigy. But you know, I'm actually I'm overstating this. I was basically going to say this isn't very good work. But she is, she's not even two yet. You know, it's kind of random, it's kind of messy, it's crumpled. She was distracted the whole time. And I wonder if our worship's a bit like that. It's messy. It's looking somewhere else. We get totally distracted. That might be by our own sin. That might be by our own apathy. That might be by pain in our lives. And yet something amazing happened because Arabella made this as interesting as this is and delightful and random. And, but she went, when Daddy came home, she ran to him and she showed him it. And Daddy said, wow, this is the most amazing thing. Oh my word. And he delighted in it. And in the same way, our Heavenly Father delights it in us. Though our worship, though our offering to Him is so random, it's so messy, it's so distracted, it's so often half-hearted, God the Father looks on us with delight. We are His dearly loved children. And no matter the pain in our lives, no matter the distraction we have, His full attention is on us. And He says, come and sit at my feet. I love to hear your voice. I love it when you sing. I love it when you sing to me. And in Jesus Christ, I accept it and I receive it. And the truth is that Jesus Christ has stooped low enough for us to crown him. The King of all kings and the Lord of all lords has come close enough that we get to crown him. The Psalms say, oh, magnify the Lord with me. How can you magnify the one who is already bigger than anything else? It's because God has come to us, and we get to crown Him. Isn't that amazing? Isn't God amazing? Isn't God so good? Isn't God so worthy of our praise? Isn't He so worth giving our whole lives to? Isn't He so worth giving everything we've got, whether that's on a Sunday, whether it's tomorrow morning? Isn't it worth offering endless songs of praise and not the television program? He is so, so good. And I've spoken for way too long. But we're going to stand now. We are going to sing together. The band are going to come up. So why don't we stand together? And maybe it's helpful, let's just change our posture. Stretch it out. Do what you need to do. And then let's adopt a posture of worship. Can I encourage us to hold open or to hold up our hands if we feel comfortable to do that? God, we worship you now. God, we praise you. We praise you in response to everything you've done. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. Thank you that you've been speaking. I ask now for more of your presence, God. I ask now for more of the inspiration of your Spirit. Help us sing to one another now, God, and help us sing to you from our hearts, from the very depths of ourselves, God. Help us offer you a sacrifice of praise. We respond to you, and God, we sing to you. Amen.